With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And this is our post-game podcast from Pittsburgh. Uh, the Browns 33-18 to 18 losers. This is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast presented by Sibling Revelry Brewing in Westlake. Uh, and Mary Kay, let's get right to it. Of course, by the time you listen to this, uh, we don't know what will have transpired. Uh, if there has been breaking news or anything like that. So we're recording this. It is about 7.45 on Sunday night. We are at Heinz Field, uh, of course. Uh, Mary Kayla, I mean, let's get right to it. Um, so I drove in this morning, mm-hmm. uh, so I was a little bit out of the loop for two hours, which every now and again can mean that you fall way behind on stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, there are reports, um, you wrote about it as well, uh, that the Browns could consider making a change on their coaching staff. They could consider making a change at offensive coordinator. Everything was mum as of we record this now, after the game, all of that. Uh, but you know, where do you think we are with that? right now as of 7.45 on Sunday night? Well, you know, I do think that there is, you know, something to Ian Rappaport from NFL Network from his report that Todd Haley could be let go unless the dysfunction on the offense and between Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley improves in short order. And that really didn't happen today. I mean, once again, you know, you look out there and you see them not converting takeaways. They had two takeaways, got three points off of those. Uh, you know, there were some more issues on this offense today. And, and I do think that there will be more going forward. It's just there are, are some things that are just not going right. So I don't know what the aftermath is going to be. I don't know if anything will happen. We did ask, I asked Hugh Jackson about it after the game, and he basically dismissed that Todd Haley was on the chopping block and, and basically said that, um, you know, last week was last week and let's, you know, put that behind us and, and not, he didn't want to talk about that anymore. Of course, that was the whole flap over the play calling and all that. So we'll have to see. So I think still, I still think something's going to give. I think that it's not our imagination that we have seen and heard about tension between them. Okay, and it started all the way back with Hard Knocks, and then it moved into the Josh Gordon starting in the first game uh, when when Todd when uh, Hugh Jackson said he wasn't going to. And then it just kind of goes on and on and on. And I just don't know that it can continue like this. Yeah, and and that's actually what I I just wrote. I just posted something about, you know, that's something the Browns have to be wary of because this is not December 15th. This is still October, and Mm -hmm. there's still eight games left in the season. There's nine weeks left when you factor in the bye week. And, And this is just the sort of thing that, 
you know, if, if there is real tension and real dysfunction and people taking sides, you can't let that fester for eight weeks. Even if, you know, whoever you end up with your head coach, whether it's Hugh Jackson, you know, without Todd Haley, or if they go the extreme route and go Todd Haley without Hugh Jackson, however you resolve that tension, even if it's only temporary, even if it's only until January, I, I think that's something they they can't allow that to fester in my mind for two more months as this team is is still trying to win some games this year. Yeah, I guess right now, to me, in my mind, it's almost a matter of do they do something about it right away or do they perhaps wait until the bye week to make a change? And then you have to also consider certain other things too, like how will you know how will the players react? What impact would it have on Baker Mayfield? Uh, there's all kinds of things to consider here, and um, but you know, like you said, I do think that it, it would be hard for these two guys to coexist. They're just starting to be, you know, too much. You know, even even the distraction of national reports like the one that came out yeah. before the game today I mean who knows we saw Jimmy Haslam down there on the field talking to, to Hugh Jackson for a while now that does happen before games a lot but you know what if they had to be talking about this or what if players the players said that they weren't distracted by this but I'm you know I don't know I would just have to think that there is some element of distraction to it yeah and, and players can say that they didn't see things or they didn't hear things mm-hmm. and, and to some extent that might be true but the reality is a lot of these guys are on social media mm-hmm. they check their mentions and even if they don't do that their family members do mm-hmm. um, their friends do they get texts I'm sure so so it can be very distracting and look Todd Haley had issues when he was here Right in Pittsburgh, you had issues with the quarterback. There, there were things like that, but it's all kind of masked by winning. When you win and you go to the playoffs every year, and, you, and you're playing to try and win Super Bowls, a lot of things get masked. But that doesn't happen when you're losing. And this team has lost three games in a row now. They're going to come home and face Kansas City, who is one of the best teams in the NFL, a real Super Bowl contender. And, and I don't think anyone is looking ahead to that game and thinking it's going to end well for the Browns. Um, this is just one of those situations where it can really start to spiral. And when you add in this stuff, we know how the national media loves to just descend on Cleveland mm-hmm. when there is any hint of, of blood in the water. And that's going to keep happening week after week. Well, the other thing is it's difficult to be the great offensive coordinator that you may have been in Pittsburgh when you had Antonio Brown and future Hall of Fame quarterback Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster, and, you know, now they've got James Conner, but before Le'Veon Bell, so you had the Killer Bees, you had a good defense to go along with that, Uh, just a really good football team. Now you're talking about uh, an offense that is very young and raw and green at a lot of positions. There are not enough weapons or receivers for Baker Mayfield to throw the ball to. He doesn't trust some of those guys. Um... You know, and you could see that today. I mean, he threw the ball to uh, Damian Ratley, and it got picked off by Joe Hayden. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you know these are some real issues that he has. I think it'll get better when Rashard Higgins comes back. I think they should. I think they should sign Terrell Pryor. I think should, they should look into some of the other receivers that could be available at the trade deadline. Or it's going to be a really long, long eight games for Baker Mayfield, regardless of who he has calling the plays. Yeah, and, and that's. We've seen some regression from Baker Mayfield, but that's okay. He's a rookie. That happens. Um, you know, there, there's a team in California right now that's playing really well with a really great quarterback. And in his first season, 
people were starting to write him off. Mm-hmm. So regression happens, rookies struggle. Right. Uh, you mentioned the weapons. He just doesn't have weapons yeah. right now. He's he's throwing to Damian Ratley, who is also a rookie and right. a late-round pick. Um, you know, what, what can you really expect to happen when you have that situation? And Duke Johnson has not been out on the field a whole lot. You know, David Njoku, super inconsistent. So a lot of these other weapons that maybe you would have been counting on you haven't been able to for one reason or another. So it's it's really tough to judge Baker. And going back to the dysfunction thing, at the very least, you want him to get to play this last half of the season in relative calm, you know, whatever that's going to take, relative calm, let him get through the rest of this season, develop as much as he can, and then you move forward, however that looks. Well, remember, this was not supposed to be about Baker Mayfield at this point. Yeah. This was supposed to be about Tyrod Taylor. Now, I think what happened with Tyrod Taylor is that he wasn't given an offense that was suited to his skill set. He was trying to be a drop-back quarterback, and that's not going to happen with Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) He's a running quarterback. You have to build that into the game plan, and you have to use him exactly like he should be used. And that didn't happen in the first two games, and he couldn't function. I mean, he could not function. He was sacked 13 times in those two and a half games. Now, Baker Mayfield, he's been sacked uh, 20 times in his games, and that's too much. I'm surprised he wasn't even sacked more today. Um, you know, he's only down for two sacks. It seemed like more because it seemed like He was the, under pressure like, a lot. He was under a lot of pressure, and it just seemed like he was getting smothered in there. And so, um, you know, I, I, just don't, I, I just don't think that, uh, again, that Tyrod had – what he needed, and I don't know that Baker Mayfield has the exact right game plan that he needs either. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I don't really think that Hugh Jackson can, and I want to get your opinion on this too, I don't know that he can take over the play calling and keep Todd Haley around. I almost think that if that is the decision, and I think this is going to have to be an organizational decision, I think Jimmy Haslam would have to get involved. I think John Dorsey's going to have to get involved. I think a lot of people are going to have to put their heads together and try to get this thing figured out. But if they take that away from, from Todd Haley, I think that it would be a tremendous distraction to have him still over there on the sidelines. Yeah, I agree. I, I, this isn't, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, if you took that play calling away, you'd have to just part ways with him, right, and do something like maybe – Make Ken Zampezi your offensive coordinator, even if he's not calling plays. Put him in that Pep Hamilton role um, where he was the OC but not calling plays. Um, you'd have to your, – your choices with Todd Haley are essentially keep him as your offensive coordinator and let him call plays. Uh, pick him over Hugh Jackson or send him away and let Hugh Jackson play out the string and, and then make your decision after that. Yeah, and you have to wonder, you know, if they had a little bit of a different game plan, if they were doing some things differently, would Baker Mayfield have an opportunity to maybe get the ball out a little quicker? I still think a lot of it has to do with that he doesn't have enough weapons out there. But, you know, there's just not they're not getting really good tackle play right now. Desmond Harrison really struggled in this game and had uh, three holding call, calls, including one in the end zone that went for a safety for the Steelers. Uh, he, he struggled. He admitted it after the game. He really struggled out there today and teams are going to see that and they're going to take advantage of that and continue to try to do that so uh, these are some things to worry about going forward again it's the midpoint of the season it's the end of the second quarter and they came out of it with only two victories that is nowhere near where they want it to be at this point and it's just it's, it's really getting kind of ugly right now yeah seven quarterback hits you mentioned the two sacks but seven quarterback hits and and the tackle play 
you know, Baker has been a little more indecisive, I think. We saw in that Jets game, he came in, and that ball was coming out. Like we saw in training camp in the preseason, the ball was coming out quickly. He was very decisive, and things have just changed right now. He's not as decisive. He's under pressure a lot. The tackle play on both sides has not been very good. Um, you know, Doug, Doug Lee Maurice wrote about that today, about how both sides have really struggled in the tack, at the tackle position. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, we're seeing it affect Baker in ways that we didn't when everything looked so easy for him and everything looked so smooth for him in the preseason and in that Jets game. Well, now teams are adjusting. He's lost weapons. We're, we're talking about Rashard Higgins being a key loss, which says a lot about the wide receiving core, as good mm-hmm. as Higgins has been and, and as big a step as he's taken. Um, there, there's just not the – he just doesn't have around him what he needs to be successful. And it, it, it's a reminder that even for the number one pick and a guy that played 40-plus games in college, right. it takes a little time to, to kind of get these guys fully cooked. Well, even – you know, you know, you mentioned Rashard Higgins – you know, again, it's not like he was a three-time Pro Bowler or anything like that, but Baker Mayfield had a comfort level with him. Yeah. You took away the the number one target for Baker, the one that we saw him throwing to in training camp every single day. Those guys had a chemistry and a comfort level and a trust. He talked about trust again today. Baker did. And he just doesn't have that trust. He doesn't have it really too much in Antonio Callaway because Antonio still has to earn that trust. He's got a long way to go. He caught a touchdown pass today, and that was good. Those kind of things will help build his confidence. But he just doesn't have that. And then it kind of, um, you know, it kind of hurts Jarvis Landry. I mean, he only had 39 yards today. Uh, he's not scoring the football. Not, you know, he's not catching touchdown passes. They're not throwing to him, uh, you know, in the end zone enough. They're not; those things are just aren't happening because there just aren't enough weapons. When you again, when you look back to the off season, and you had guys like Josh Gordon, and you know you thought Corey Coleman might be okay, and uh, who else am I forgetting? There's somebody else. Um, let's see: Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde. Although, although yeah. I mean, you could argue that having Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson get featured more is is yeah. an upgrade there. Right. So, anyways, it's. Um, it's it's a tough road right now without the adequate protection, without perhaps the right exact game plan that Baker needs right now, and without the um, weapons around him that he needs. And, and some things need to be done very quickly. The trading deadline is coming up on Tuesday. Again, I would look into those guys. Deshaun Jackson's available. I haven't looked into the numbers for any of these guys yet, um, but you've got Deshaun Jackson, you've got Pierre Garçon, you've got some things uh, that you could possibly at least look into again. Terrell Pryor, I would do that, and you know, before you know it, you might have a few other outlets, a few weapons for Baker. Yeah, the Browns are in a tough spot there, obviously, because now they're sitting at, at two five and one. If I, yeah, two five and one. If I did the math right, um, so they're not really contending, but they have to balance what we've talked about. You want to give Baker Mayfield a chance to develop and succeed the rest of this season, and mm-hmm. feel good going into the off season about him. So right. You know, are are you giving up a second or third round pick for somebody? Probably not, right. if you think this season is essentially done. But, you know, the Jaguars got Carlos Hyde for a fifth. Can you get a weapon? Can you get another guy to bring in and, and give you something for maybe a, the fifth or a sixth or something like that? I don't, I don't know what the going rate for these guys is going to be, um, but there might be something out there that they can do 
to give Baker another set of reliable hands. Well, you know, even if it's just as simple as Richard coming back and maybe signing a Terrell prior, yeah. then you're not giving up any draft picks. And you can take a flyer on Terrell. And if it doesn't work out for you, it doesn't work out. But I have a feeling that Hugh Jackson would kind of know what to do with him. Al Saunders would know what to do with him. Adam Henry. I think those guys could get something out of him. He caught some touchdown passes for the Jets. He caught five passes in his last game for the Jets, as long as the groin is okay. At least it's somebody that can play the X receiver, can take a little pressure off Antonio Callaway, and can get down and score the football. Yeah, that's, that's something they, they definitely need. Now, one more thing we want to um, discuss, too, because you wrote about it, um, is Miles Garrett. Uh, he, he's been very vocal mm-hmm. recently, actually. Yep. Uh, talked about the officiating a couple Fridays ago, uh, and today... You know, I mean, I guess he essentially questioned the coaching staff. The, the defensive coaching staff basically came out and said, I was not over there for his, um, for his scrum. I was over with uh, Christian Kirksey when he was talking. Um, but basically he questioned the decision to go to a different attack plan against the Steelers today than they used in week one when they tied the Steelers. Yes, he did. And like I wrote just a little bit ago when I posted my story on that, this does come on the heels of him completely blasting the officials. And he did catch some flack from Greg Williams for doing that. Greg's mm-hmm. like, look, you stopped your, you know, not just him. He, he gave it to the whole entire defense. But you can't stop your rush. You can't stop covering just because you think you're going to get a false start and it doesn't come. So he gave those guys the business for that. And then Miles Garrett comes out today and basically says, we took the wrong approach this time. And, you know, he'll learn as he goes along that that's really not what you do after a game. Yeah. You don't criticize the game plan because that starts to be finger-pointing. And I even asked him, I said, don't you think you're taking a little bit of a risk and you're being a little bit too bold by criticizing Greg Williams' game plan? And he said, no, I don't think Greg will take it that way. I don't think he's going to feel that way. He, he wants us to have an opinion, and I'm sure Greg does want them to have an opinion. But I don't know that he wants them to have an opinion publicly. <laughs> at, <laughs> at 4 o'clock on Sunday. At 4 o'clock on Sunday after you just lost big to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're basically criticizing the game plan. In, in addition to criticizing the entire game plan, he mentioned that, um, that they didn't make the right adjustments. He said the Steelers made the adjustments, and one of those obviously was to start running James Conner down their throats in the second Mm -hmm. half of this football game. He had 113 of his 146 yards in the second half of the game. Two touchdowns, second half of the game. They could not stop him. This defense has had issues all season long in stopping the run and setting the edge. They have had... um, They have covered up a lot of the ills on that side of the ball with the takeaways. They lead the NFL with 22 takeaways. And when you see them getting four takeaways a game, six takeaways a game, uh, when you see them doing that, it it lulls you into a false sense of, of security that the defense is playing really, really well down for down. But the truth of the matter is it's really not. And so, therefore, they've got some things that they have to work on and clean up on that side of the ball, whether it's too much blitzing, whatever the case may be. Um, But, yeah, so Miles had some very strong things to say. And we don't get to talk to Greg Williams all the way until next Friday. So we won't know how Greg feels about this, I don't think, until next Friday. But I can't imagine that he would be too happy about it and that the message would be, you know what? 
let's keep those things in-house. You can say we didn't play well. You can say I didn't dominate because Miles did say that about himself, and that was good. He took responsibility for his own play. He did not come up big in this game like he did in the opener. They had a better game plan to stop Miles. I mean, when you pick off Ben Roethlisberger or when you sack strip him twice in a game, they're going to have a better game plan to shut you down. So he didn't dominate the way that he didn't that he wanted to, took responsibility for that, which was good. But I think the other part of it might not be met with approval. Yeah, and, you know, there was some of that, not not from Miles necessarily, but, um, gosh, I think it was uh, Larry Ogunjobi talked a little bit about adjustments after the Chargers game. Yeah. Um, so, so that's something that's come up a little bit in the yeah. past, but never quite that strongly, right. uh, as, as, as Miles put it today. Um, so the Browns 33-18 to 18 losers um, in Pittsburgh, and we just sort of await... Um, to see what happens. Kansas City is coming to town on Sunday, and they won again today. Uh, it was a closer game. I believe it was 30-23 to 23, um, over Denver. This is going to be something else. <laughs> I mean, well, this is a high-powered offense uh, for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is a bona fide MVP candidate. Yep. We know the John Dorsey storylines. We know the Mahomes versus Baker storyline. Um, it's this is going to be you know nobody's going to pick this team. I picked the Browns to win today. I don't know why I did that, uh, but I did. I'm certainly not going to pick them to beat Kansas City. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens at First Energy next well, week. Well, Dan, I know how you feel because I picked them to beat the Chargers, <laughs> thinking that they would have a good game uh, against the Chargers and that the defense was going to come up very, very big in that game. Uh, so I know what it feels like to just have a feeling that you think something good might might happen and they might surprise everybody. Unfortunately for the Browns, they lost for the 15th straight time here. They lost on the road for the 25th time. Now they're one shy of the NFL record of 26 straight road losses. All of these numbers adding up are not good. John Dorsey sat right behind me in the press box the whole entire game. Uh, I could see his reflection in the window in front of me a few times. And, you know, he didn't look happy, and why would he? And now his former Kansas City team is coming into town next week with Patrick Mahomes and a lot of other guys that he drafted. Uh, You know that he's going to keep hammering away at this Cleveland Browns football team to get it to the point where it is a good, contending football team. Yeah, so... Well, we'll see what happens uh, next week against Kansas City, and then Atlanta comes to town after that, and then finally the bye. Um, and I, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens over the next 24 hours here. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Jackson will speak probably around 2.30 on Monday. That's his normal time. Again, we'll see. <laughs> we will. Uh, that'll do it for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast brought to you by Sibling Revelry Brewing. Go to siblingrevelrybrewing.com and check out their events and uh, hit, hit up their tap room in Westlake. Uh, Giant Eagle. Heinen's. Uh, I found some in Acme down near Akron, so check that out as well. Uh, for Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>